We live in a world where the news is at our fingertips, but how often do we stop scrolling and just listen? I'm Malika Bilal, and starting May 1st, The Take will be a daily news podcast, bringing you the context and the people behind the global stories that matter. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcast. U.S. President Joe Biden is seeking re-election next year with Donald Trump hoping to run against him once again. But the campaign ahead is uncertain and unpredictable. So what challenges does Biden face and what do American voters want? Hello, I'm Adrian Finnegan. This is the Inside Story podcast where we dissect, analyze and help to define major global stories. So let's introduce our guests for today's discussion. They're all joining us from the U.S. From Washington, D.C., we're joined by David Bolger, Democratic strategist and national security consultant. David's a former staffer to then-Senator Joe Biden. Uh, from Stanford, Connecticut, Liz Mayer, Republican strategist and founder of Mayer Strategies, LLC. Liz is the former Republican National Committee spokesperson. And also in Washington, Laura Blessing, senior fellow at the Government Affairs Institute, Georgetown University. Welcome to you all. David, let's start with you. 44% of Democrats say he's too old to run. As we heard, 70% of respondents to an NBC poll don't think he should run again because of his age. He'll be 86 by the end of his second term if re-elected. Surely, Biden is just too old to run again, isn't he? I wouldn't say that uh, President Biden is uh, too old. I think uh, he is, like many Americans of that age uh, category, uh, he is in uh, good health. Uh, his mental acuity is strong. Uh, and if you look at what he's done over the last three years, uh, he's pretty successful. So I think that uh, what the President Biden and his team uh, and Vice President uh, Harris will be doing is essentially running on their record uh, over the last three years. And uh, I think the American people uh, realize that, that we're on the upswing uh, and improvements are being made, but we need to stay the course. Liz, uh, David says that he's been pretty successful. His age shouldn't matter. That's not how Republicans see it, though, is it? No, absolutely not. But also, I think going back to the point that you made at the top of this, at least 44% of Democrats also don't see it this way. I will tell you, irrespective of how people respond to polls, I don't know a single Democrat who actually thinks that Joe Biden is still in a good position to be doing this job, given his age. Whatever people want to say about mental acuity, he is clearly not as sharp as he used to be. Now, granted, in a contest with Trump, we're dealing with two extremely old people, both of whom seem to be losing the plot quite a bit. And so he may be able to eke that out. But if he's running against somebody who is a younger contender, which is exactly where I think the Republican Party is inclined to go, no matter what the polls show right now, I think he's going to have a serious issue on his hands because at the end of the day, a lot of his own voters simply don't think he's actually up to the task. They'll vote for him anyway, but that's going to have a huge impact on where swing voters go. Laura, uh, the advantages that Biden enjoyed ahead of the, the, the 2020 election are uh, no longer. Trump is, is not in office anymore. The pandemic restrictions that allowed Biden to get away with minimal campaigning uh, are also gone. Does Biden have the energy, the vigour... Uh, to mount an effective uh, presidential campaign this time around? Well, I don't know if you'll be fueled by Jenny's ice cream this time around, but elections 
you know, are a choice. They're not a referendum. Um, he's the, you know, he's unlikely to be challenged seriously in the primaries. We've got two minor primary challengers that won't uh, be significant politically for him. Trump is likely to be the, other, the candidate on the other side. And so, you know, if you have an 80-year-old versus a 76-year-old, we're, we start talking about what we want in terms of policy priorities. David, um, he says he wants to, to finish the job. And as you pointed out, he, he's touted the achievements of his first term uh, in that re-election campaign ad that, that he launched. Um, what, though, given that, that the House uh, is no longer controlled by his party and, and, and Democrats face a tough fight to hold the Senate in 2024, uh, what can he finish? Well, I think he can... Uh... The the uh, bipartisan uh, infrastructure law, uh, and I use the term bipartisan rather uh, uh, loosely, is a uh, perfect example of <clears throat> what he's going to be doing and what Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg and others have been doing is essentially bringing home the bacon, so to speak, to every congressional district, every city, every county, every little town, uh, improving uh, the livelihood of uh, our citizens out there. So that's something that Joe Biden is responsible for. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he is uh, he will be continuing to push these successes. At the same time, he's going to expose the Republican parties, what they're doing, what they did to uh, limit uh, reproductive rights uh, for women. The, uh, there are fewer, <clears throat> there are fewer uh, rights and responsibilities. So it's, it's going to be an easy target, I would say. Uh, Liz, will, will Biden run against Trump in, in 2024, do you think? Or will a, a, a younger, less divisive candidate be selected by the GOP? I don't personally think that we're running Trump in 2024. I think that the uh, polls that you see right now are primarily a test of name ID and name recognition. And it's not surprising that as popular as a governor like Ron DeSantis is within the Republican Party, he would not have the name ID that Donald Trump does. He never sat there hosting NBC's The Apprentice for season after season. He did not sit in the White House for four years. He did not run a two-year presidential campaign before that where he was on cable news basically 24-7. And so I think that those polls that show Ron DeSantis not in a great position right now to beat Donald Trump are going to change very shortly sharply if and when he enters the contest. And I expect that he will probably sometime around the end of May. Um, he needs to get through the end of the Florida legislative session. That's very important. But I think everybody who's banking on this being a Biden-Trump redux is probably making a big mistake. And I think if the Democratic Party is working on the assumption that they're running against Donald Trump, they better start putting their ducks in order to figure out what they're going to do about running against Ron DeSantis. I think that hitting him on abortion will be effective to a certain degree. But it's also very clear if you look at the polling, Ron DeSantis performs massively better than Donald Trump does against Joe Biden, probably because he didn't basically foist an insurrection on the country. But Liz, what happens if, uh, if Trump isn't selected as, as uh, the Republican uh, nominee and, and runs anyway? I mean, who will be hurt most by that, Biden or, as you say, the other most likely candidate, Ron DeSantis? Well, I, I will have to see what actually happens. There is a way that Biden can eke things out. There's always a way that any candidate in a presidential contest can win. If we go back and we remember ahead of the 2016 election, 
almost all political prognosticators were saying that they gave Donald Trump maybe like a one to 5% chance of winning. Personally, I gave him about a 35% chance of winning, which was the highest odds that I heard from anybody outside his team. So I think it's important to remember that anything can happen in these races. News events will shape them, things that will happen uh, that will pop up into people's minds and register on voters' minds, the state of the economy. These kinds of things can impact the contours of the race. It is possible that Biden will be capable of pulling this out. I think if he plays the abortion card very heavily, he has a better chance of doing that. But I think it's going to be a lot tougher for him to beat Ron DeSantis than it would be to beat Donald Trump. I think all of the polling shows that. Clearly, one thing that we know is that swing voters have decided, even though they think that this indictment of him in New York City is heavily politicized, they also think that it's automatically disqualifying. And when you have a largest chunk of the electorate right now affiliating as independents and the partisan uh, affiliation getting smaller for both Democrats and Republicans, it's going to be very hard for somebody like Donald Trump to actually win a presidential election if he cannot appeal to those swing voters. But I think somebody like Ron DeSantis has an ability to that ability just hasn't been fully tested or vetted at this point. So we'll have to see. David, we'll get back to Laura in just a moment. But David, I, I want to ask you first, who would, would the Democrats rather be, be up against here? Uh, if, if With Biden as their presidential nominee, would they rather be fighting Trump or DeSantis? Uh, there's only one name, and uh, that, that's Donald Trump. Uh, Donald Trump is you can you can insert Ron DeSantis into the uh, as the candidate as the nominee, but that's still Donald Trump. Uh, he's been an acolyte for uh, Donald Trump for the last years as in his role as governor, even in when he was in the House. So uh, that's what the the Democratic strategy is to essentially get out of the way of uh, the Republicans making big mistakes. Uh, whether it's Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, Chris Christie, whomever, there will be every ad, every uh, message that goes out will be whatever that candidate and Donald Trump uh, in the same same frame. So that's something that uh, the people will have to the on the Republican side will have to deal with to remove the stain of Trump if Trump is not the nominee. Uh, it's most likely he will be the nominee. Uh, and we'll see, uh, just push, stay on our record. And again, I say the Democrats need to get out of the way of the Republicans uh, going after each other. Laura, to what extent will independent and, and swing voters call the 2024 presidential election? Um, if it's Trump versus Biden, will they go for Biden as the least worst option? Uh, and, and to what extent will voter apathy play a part as well? If people aren't excited by either of the two candidates, we heard uh, some of the younger people in our report right at the beginning of the programme saying, well, they're, they're not particularly fussed or excited by, by Trump or by President Biden. What happens if, if the turnout is low? I think you highlight two really important things right there. I mean, both uh, independents in the in the middle are more likely uh, to go for for Biden. And tr Trump really does, uh, you know, as um, you know, as, as David just pointed out, he's the the preferred person for Biden to run against uh, from Biden's point of view. Um, but you know, we also have questions of a potential enthusiasm gap, um, uh, and we've seen both parties historically really put a lot of attention on energizing their base uh, as the key to winning elections. And so, you know, if you have a difficulty doing that, uh, regardless of what side you are, uh, you're going to have a hard time in the election. Liz, um, is the Republican base fired up enough to, to get behind whichever candidate 
uh, the GOP nominates uh, for, for president? Um, yeah, I think it, one thing that's interesting to note, though, from within the Republican Party, um, outside of it, it looks like Trump committed voters are the most diehard committed people on the face of the planet. But actually, looking at it from within the Republican Party, I will tell you, one key difference is that the DeSantis people are infinitely more fired up for Don Ron DeSantis than any of the Trumpers I've ever seen fired up for Donald Trump. And that was already quite revved up. Um, you can find supporters of Donald Trump who will concede that there are things he has done that have been mistakes. He is imperfect. He is flawed. The DeSantis people, they won't concede. Honestly, if, if there were like a report about Ron DeSantis having done a poor job of potty training when he was two or three years old, the DeSantis people would push back against that and they would fail to believe that. Those people are diehard. They are committed. Um, they do not waver. I guarantee you somebody who says that they are a DeSantis voter is 100 percent guaranteed to turn out, whereas Trump voters, I would say it's a little bit less than that. And I don't know where it sits with Biden voters. So I think when you're looking at that enthusiasm gap, that is an area where DeSantis might possibly be able to overperform expectations just a little bit based on the fact that his base is extraordinarily revved up. I mean, honestly, I've been working in this business for a long time. I have never seen a group of supporters that are as committed to a candidate and as fired up as Ron DeSantis voters are. And okay, there so are a lot of them. Put it on the line here. I mean, who, who do you think now the Republican nominee is going to be? Is Trump out of the picture? I've thought, I've thought I've thought Ron DeSantis since we go back to like September of last year. I still think that. I think it's a little less likely than I, if you'd asked me two months ago because I think he has had a little bit of a wobble. But personally, I think that the party would be crazy uh, to nominate Trump over him. And I think that there is sufficient enthusiasm for me to see how he numerically gets it done. And the, the Biden team is already warning about uh, the, the, the dangers of a, of a, of a Trump uh, presidency, a second Trump presidency, what would America look like under a President DeSantis? Well, it wouldn't look the same as under Donald Trump. That's one place where uh, Democrats are making a major mistake. And they may be actually missing opportunities to hit Republicans because Donald Trump is very much right wing when it comes to issues like immigration and trade. So is Ron DeSantis. Um, but Ron DeSantis is actually very conservative on economic issues and social issues, whereas Donald Trump has been relatively moderate within the Republican Party on those. So I think Democrats really need to pay close attention to who Ron DeSantis is as a personality, because for as much as he was sort of dragged over the finish line in his first gubernatorial race by Donald Trump and his team, and he was endorsed by him, he's actually not a carbon copy of Donald Trump. Philosophically, he's probably a lot closer to Scott Walker or Ted Cruz. And if you look at how those people have performed electorally, that could mean something very good for him or it could mean something very bad for him. But I think trying to depict him as a Trump carbon cutout, that's going to be very difficult to sell with quite a lot of voters that Joe Biden is going to have to persuade. He could do it. It's totally possible. But I think it's going to be tricky. David, are the Democrats taking DeSantis seriously enough at the moment? I think they are. Uh, I, I, I think we are. I think it's a, um, you know, it's interesting. Um, uh, Laura uh, brings up uh, Liz. I'm sorry, you brought up the uh, uh, Scott Walker. I was going to say who? You know, Scott Walker, uh, seven, eight years ago, was the hot uh, Republican candidate. And now uh, he's, he's pretty much nowhere. And Ted Cruz, those are two candidates who've lost their presidential bids. So I think the... Um, you know, the Democrats, definitely, uh, we we have to keep our eyes open. Uh, again, I'm going to just emphasize that whoever is the candidate, there are there is an alignment 
with um, Donald J. Trump. And uh, we will make sure that everyone knows that, every ad that is out there, that this is what you're looking at if you vote for this person. It's another, it's a carbon copy of uh, uh, Donald Trump. So that's, um, that's the, I think, the main message, uh, attack message is to say, let's make sure that we know who we're voting for and and look at the records and and uh you know a, a vote accordingly laura do you do you want to come in on anything that you've heard in the last few minutes you know i i think there's a little bit of a distinction between uh similarities in personality versus versus policy style um uh, depending on what voters are interested in uh, they may not see a difference on uh, things like uh, abortion policy or voting policy uh, between some of these candidates that are being discussed so in terms of how policy actually affects lives, um, I think that's a worthwhile discussion, not just for the campaigns to have, but for uh, the media and the American people to consider. Laura, getting back to uh, Biden's age uh, and his ability to, to see out a full term, uh, what happens if Biden is somehow incapacitated between now and, and the election before 2024? No, I, I think that's highly unlikely, but then, you know, we will... Uh, well, we'll see who we have uh, waiting in the wings. So th this is why vice presidential choices are important. Uh, you know, not to, uh, you know, I, I want to, to phrase this in a more sensitive way than, than this, but, uh, you know, people don't tend to remember McKinley very well. Um, uh, you know, it matters who you put in the VP slot. Uh, but, you know, if we're looking at uh, Vice President Harris, uh, you know, there are actually a number of different similarities between her in terms of uh, a sense of being a more moderate Democrat than other options that are out there, as well as a pretty similar polling uh, to Biden. David, mortality rates for men of Biden's age are almost five times higher than for 55 to 64-year-olds. Um, I know Laura was, was uncomfortable uh, with, with the way that I, I phrased the, the last question about Biden somehow being incapacitated. Um, but given that the odds of him serving a full second term are not in his favour. I mean, we have to be open and honest here. Is Kamala Harris the right person to be on the ticket for 2024? Uh, definitely. I think uh, President Biden, or actually uh, candidate Biden, when he made the selection for Senator Kamala Harris to be his running mate back in uh, 2020, uh, he, he's, he's all in. He supports uh, all the work that she's done. There have been some ups and downs, definitely. There's been some uh, personnel issues uh, on her staff. But for the most part, President, uh, Vice President Harris has been a, uh, an asset to this uh, ticket. I think you're going to see more of her. If you saw the uh, video yesterday, I think there were definite references. Not only the second gentleman was there, too. So I think he's President Biden is really pushing the team uh, approach uh, because there are different audiences that uh, uh, Vice President Harris appeals to. So I think he's definitely uh, all in with that. And let me let me just say, you know, uh, President Biden's age, I think he will own it. I think he will recognize that uh, this is what 80-year-olds do, uh, but he's he's not going to shy away from the fact that he has uh, decades of experience. Uh, he knows world leaders. Uh, he knows how they think. He knows uh, how systems work. And uh, he's going to essentially execute um, uh, execute on those initiatives uh, going forward. So again, I think last 
three years have been have been very successful from a legislative point of view for uh, the Biden administration. And I think he's going to work on that record. The economy just has to continue to improve, though. All right. All right, David. So so that's how 80 year olds are. But as Liz pointed out earlier, he's not as sharp as as he used to be. We've we've seen that. I mean, he's prone to making the odd gaffe uh, here and there. To what extent is he putting his party at risk by taking this this huge gamble and, and running again for a second term? Well, if uh, uh, if we're talking about gaffes with uh, President Biden, um, he he had this 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 um, I don't say it's a problem, but this uh, uh, it, type of uh, responses uh, when he was in the Senate too. So uh, gaffes are nece- not necessarily the barometer here. I think what what uh, it's it's going to be important to emphasize, and as as the f- my fellow colleagues on the program will tell you, this is a very long road from here. Um, not only the from a calendar point of view, but if you have gaffes, if you have missteps, if you say, I mean, look at Gerald Ford, what he said about Poland in the 1976 um, campaign. So I think you're. Um, this this is at early days in the campaign, and Joe Biden knows that, you know. So it's going to be uh, he's he's ready for the ultra marathon that uh, he's going to be going on, and this is his last election. All right. Well, well let's put that to, to Liz for a moment. I'm going to ask you to look at at, at the other side, the, the point of view from the, the you know with a strategic hat on. If you were advising uh, the, the the Democrats, uh, Liz, I mean this is. Quite a gamble, isn't it, by a, a, a man of his, put, putting up a man of his age to run for a second term. I mean, what, what, what would your advice to Democrats be right now? Well, yeah, entirely it's a gamble. And I would also point out, if we're going to talk about Gerald Ford and gaffes, Gerald Ford got his butt kicked, you know? So that's probably not who I'd be pointing to as a sort of defense of Biden's ability to pull this thing out. Look, I don't think Democrats necessarily have a better choice. What do they do? Run Gavin Newsom? I mean, I think Gavin Newsom has a very hard time appealing to a lot of the voters that Joe Biden has appealed to, sort of more working class, blue collar, traditional uh, union type household voters who have stuck with Democrats in certain instances, like if they run somebody like a Joe Biden. I think that's very difficult for Gavin Newsom. I think it would be interesting if they considered looking at nominating somebody like Michigan's Gretchen Whitmer. I don't know if she has any interest in that. Um, I think Amy Klobuchar could be an interesting candidate. I think when you break down polling and you look at the state level, um, it actually looks like, uh, you know, the Minnesota governor actually has some pretty good economic numbers on his side and he has some pretty good approval rating numbers on his side. So there are other options. The trouble with those things is those people would have to start from scratch. They're starting way behind the eight ball because Biden has basically locked this thing up so far that it is impossible virtually for somebody else to step into the race at this point. And they simply don't have the name ID. Um, So, you know, I don't think Democrats necessarily have a better choice, but Democrats need to stop very soon with this whole pretending that Biden at the age he's at has the mental acuity and ability to do the job that he did when he was Obama's vice president. He quite simply doesn't. And anybody who watches him on TV can see that. It is the same as with Donald Trump struggling to get down that ramp. Neither of these guys are anywhere close to their prime, anywhere close to having the mental ability still to do the job. And I think most of us who have parents who are over the age of 70, we do naturally see that decline 
line occurring. And that's going to be a pretty big chunk of the electorate heading into this election. So they do need to think about it. I think they have. And I think that's why you have seen Kamala Harris uh, so prominently on display in this announcement video. I think the difficulty the Democrats have there is that Kamala Harris appears to be relatively incompetent in and of herself. Um, the administration doesn't trust her with much. Her staff leak about her perpetually. Her staff seem to okay. hate her and think she's incompetent. I mean, there is a real problem here. Okay. They may still pull it out, but there's a real problem. I, I can see David uh, uh, disagreeing there, shaking his head. David, I'm afraid we're out of time. I'm not going to be able to come back to you right now, but, but I just wanted to, to make the point that you vehemently disagree there. Uh, many thanks indeed to all of you. David Bolger, Liz Mayer, and Laura Blessing. And that's it. This episode was produced by Dermot Fleming, Katia Lopez-Horayan, Fungi Ngayan and Jimmy Getahun. Studio sound was by Sentil Marimutu. The program was edited by Mohamed Sobi, Lynn Ngayan and Joda Frias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. And thanks for being with us. Tune in on Thursday for another edition. Thank you.